0: Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast with David Savage and Jack Pierce, publishing on Mondays and Thursdays. This is a show packed full of interviews and debate with technology leaders for the love of tech. On today's podcast, we are talking to Robert Hicks. He is the Group HRD at Reward Gateway. But before that, hiya Jack.
1: Hello, Dave, via the digital airways.
0: I know it's kind of slightly disconcerting. We can't see each other. I mean, that might be a positive thing,
1: yeah. right? Well, apologies to listeners if we do just incessantly talk over each other because we can't see each other's visual cues. So,
0: it's my fault. I'm I'm working from home. I'm in I'm in beautiful West London.
1: Mm. Yeah, it is it is your fault. You're right, Dave.
0: <laughs> Look, I um I thought I'd start with something distinctly non-technical, but there is a reason. All right, go on. Um, I was on The Guardian earlier this week, and there was an article all about Stonehenge, uh and there's a new theory yeah. about where the blue stones were transported from. so not hang on, so not where they were transported from, but how they were transported to be where they are in Wiltshire, okay?
1: Right. Yep. 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 Do you
0: know much about this,
1: Dave? I I don't know much about Stonehenge at all. I know I drove past there when we went on the holiday to Cornwall once. That's that's about it, really. It's all a ob- bit pagan for me. You
0: you obviously stopped and and paid attention to it, then drove past it. Yeah, what?
1: <laughs> I, I'd have had my headphones in, not even looking out the window.
0: <laughs> so these these blue stones, right? They're not the massive ones. but They're kind of on the inner circle, but they're still they're still like the size of a car and weigh about two tons. And they came from the mountains in Pembrokeshire on the, on the West Welsh coast. Uh, there's obviously not an East mm. Welsh coast, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, the previous theory was that they came by the sea and they now yes. think that they dragged them 230 miles via the land. Shut up. Up to 82 tonne blocks, dragged- What? Yeah, exactly. Two, Sorry, 143 miles, 230 kilometres.
1: I struggle to even carry my bag to work, which is a half hour walk, let alone a big blue rock like that. I mean, it, it does beg its belief, doesn't it? What kind of. They might have used, obviously, they wouldn't have used technology, but they might have used something to aid them with their. Um, with their journey. They might have, I mean, obviously, look, we're not talking tech here, but they might have used something to roll it on maybe, or I mean, they might have been innovative is what I'm trying to say.
0: Techno- technology of the day, like,
1: you know. Yes, the lost. wheels.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I, I mean, I was thinking about this, right, because um, listeners, you're going to hear me talk about this as the year goes on. I've signed up for the Young Brown Marathon, which if you don't know, is a marathon in the Alps. And I, so I've kind of been intrigued by Feats of ridiculous endurance and dragging 82 ton blocks 143 miles, nearly 3,000 4,000 miles. A year, uh, sorry, nearly three or four thousand years ago. is a little bit harder than running up a mountain.
1: And and yeah, they didn't even they, they weren't even praying to the Christian God to help them. They were just getting on with it.
0: Are you suggesting I will be praying to the Christian God?
1: Well, I was more—I was more going at that this this predates Christ. But I think you will be praying to <laughs> anyone who will listen to you as you scale the uh, Swiss Alps. To be honest with you, Dave, and listeners, just know that if Dave seriously injures himself, the show can go on without him.
0: Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I, I could do—I—you I, I, know—I just need a voice. Anyway, uh, Dave, you've
1: got, you've got to do a like. We've got—we've got to get you on the phone when you when, when you're up the out. We've got to get your five minute. How's it? Going, dave so that listeners can hear us
0: yeah by the way do you, you i was trying to visualize 6500 feet it's quite difficult to do right someone says 6500 <laughs> feet you're kind of like well i don't really know what that is put it in perspective the shard is nearly bang on a thousand feet
1: wow i tell you i tell you he'd like 6500 feet quentin tarantino he uh, notoriously has a foot fetish
0: oh well there you go I didn't know
1: that. <laughs> wait, so you're going to be scaling? You're going to be running up a mountain that's essentially more than six times taller than the Shard.
0: Six and a half times the height of the Shard, whilst running twenty-six point two miles.
1: You, I mean, look, Dave, you're an incredibly clever man, an uh, incredibly <laughs> nice person, but you're fucking stupid. <laughs> oh <doing
0: it. laughs> uh, yeah, that 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 might be true. But look, I, I can't
1: I, wait for you to up, and everyone there is like a pro and you're there with your, with your water bottle and, you, and your own Newcastle, Brown Ale, Newcastle, United top, running up the mountain. Got
0: a Tech Talks t-shirt.
1: It's happening. Tech Talks t-shirts are happening. There uh, we go. Confirmation, listeners. We'll <laughs> have a merch, merch page on our website in no time.
0: Absolutely. We just need an egg now. Uh, look, <laughs> there, is, there is a relevance to this, right? I don't know what purpose and mission the Druids used to get people to take 82-tonne rocks. Or well or
1: kilometers. were they rewarded were they recognized dave
0: well exactly exactly and i'm gonna i'm gonna hope that several thousand years ago these were particularly enlightened druids that got the uh, the the mission and the purpose right because today's podcast with robert hicks is all about mission and purpose do, do you love the link
1: we're so good at tenuous links <laughs> we're so this is becoming definitely one of our skill sets dave
0: But look, Robert Hicks, uh, as I said HRD uh, for um, Reward Gateway, he is talking all about mission and purpose. That's what today's interview is about. Uh, Stay tuned afterwards, myself and Jack will have a chat about it and then we've got some news. Uh, We're going to be talking about the government's report into fake news and uh, a little bit of analysis from Dot Everyone. So we're chatting to Robert, Uh, you're the group HRD um, here at Reward Gateway. A company that's been around since two thousand and seven, but some people may not have heard of. So, if you wouldn't mind, first of all, just saying who you are and and what the company does, that'd be great.
2: So, we're an employee engagement company. So, yep. what we do is we make amazing products which helps businesses uh, increase their engagement of their employees.
0: Now, your your website, and I don't know whether this stat is still. Um, 100% up to date but it talks about 76% of CEOs uh, recognising the need to have a kind of a strong engagement culture but only 24% actually having a plan in place is that is that still roughly right I don't
2: know whether that's I, I think pretty much I think yeah. if you look historically the numbers kind of haven't really changed that much where kind of everyone knows that engaged employees kind of help you uh, make better decisions, deliver better business performance. But one of the things which people kind of struggle with is how do you actually achieve that? So kind of what, what we do is we work with eight, 1,800 companies kind of over the world to kind of do sometimes small things, sometimes really kind of big, big things to help them really kind of change kind of their kind of culture from one for being not, as engaged as, not as, as engaged as what they would like to on, mm. which is kind of really helping drive engagement kind of through their workforce. What tends to be the big problem? Because obviously 24%,
0: less than a quarter of organisations stating that they've got this strong strategy. Is it that a lot of people talk about culture and vision and values and maybe they have a strategy away day and then it gets put in a back drawer and everyone forgets about it? Or is it a case that some organisations are just so large that the mechanics of it, that rolling it out across a company tends to be the thing that, that, that
2: acts as the blocker? I don't think there's any one size fits all. Mm-hmm. I think there's lots, lots of different areas. For me, the kind of starting point to kind of actually trying to make it or make an organisation be kind of more engaged is to really look at kind of what are you doing in terms of purpose, mission, and values. So mm-hmm. our our mission is really simple: it's to to make the world a better place to work. And my team, kind of, which is the people team at Reward Gateway, we have a mission, which is to make Reward Gateway a better place to work. So that kind of starts with being clear in terms of what our objectives are as a business, what are we trying to achieve, and, and how do our goals and team operations all, all fit in to help make Reward Gateway a better place to or to work. And, and for Reward Gateway in terms of how do we do our mission, it's very much working with organisations to help them one company at a time be a little bit better. So it could be on the communication side. It could be helping them to have a, a clearer purpose and a, a clearer mission and to really align their objectives. It could be about creating a, a, a greater sense of recognition, so mm-hmm. aligning their recognition uh, programme and scheme to kind of their own kind of mission and values because values are really, really important. Do your values align? to what you want to do and how can you kind of help your employees understand and live to that it could be around kind of helping them uh, kind of increase the value of uh, kind of the benefits which they have so to or to maximize that your employee value proposition and say you're a kind of um, a parent so here's the child, child care vouchers you've got a really big well-being push so what are you doing doing for your employees within that it's looking at all of the different areas kind of say uh, kind of recognition kind of communication purpose mission and values kind of all your, your workspace your environment you're in and well-being and working with them to help understand what they can do as a business to drive up their own engagement and that's where we come in as a, a, a partner to kind of help help them understand what what we do as a business and, and, and how we can help them so it's a technology platform correct
0: um, is it SaaS based is it yes yeah so you sit in this lovely position of both being HRD but also getting to see internally but also getting to see what it would be like as a buyer do you do you find that you kind of test some of the some of the software yourself internally like, you know you you must have an idea about what's going to help an organisation one of your customers so it must be a, a, quite an interesting role where you get to see both worlds
2: yeah I've, I'm, I'm blessed with working with 400 400- odd people who spent every day trying to kind of do do their bit for their customers who just so happen to be me in terms of kind of people working with HR and yeah. within the communication space as well. We we use every piece piece of software which we kind of sell um, and every tool and, and every aspect of that. So uh, we are uh, kind of do measurement and engagement kind of within that with our kind of survey product. We kind of use our own recognition product. We, um, our CEO blogs once a week uh, using our communications uh, kind of uh, platform kind of, which is all kind of centralized. And so everybody at Reward Gateway is a it kind of is a big user of, of, our, of our tools. And that helps us kind of drive up our engagement kind of within our, our staff. We're in five mm-hmm. countries um, every minute of every day. Um, there's so many in, in Reward Gateway who's that that's their working time zone so we've got the complexities of being a go, global business yeah. we've, we've got the complexities of being a fast moving business and we've got the complexities of being a business which is always striving to kind of really push and be innovative kind of and achieving that which means that we've got to really be explaining and communicating what we're doing and why look about um, oh I guess about six months
0: ago we had a company called Breathe HR on the podcast uh, and their CEO Jonathan they're a reasonably small um, cloud-based HR platform. Very, very different to what you guys are doing. It's, it's, it's very much more about kind of. Uh, for small startup businesses, less than two hundred people, yep. just providing them an online portal to kind of holidays and then medical kind of bookings and so on, yep. and so forth. And we were talking about culture in that podcast, and Jonathan kind of boiled it down to culture in their company, is sitting down, having a piece of cake, and ultimately, it's just con- conversation and communicating. Obviously, you're dealing with organisations on a much bigger scale. Do you do you share that view? Is it just about really when you when you boil it down to its essence, communicating, or is there more to it? Do you think that the, the, the data from the platform tells you? This this is where companies
2: fall down I think I think first of all we our client base is from small companies to kind of really super large ones and I think that the challenges they face are kind of the same everywhere mm-hmm. I think the the first thing is do you, do you have a really clear mission do you have a really clear clear set of values does everybody understand them um, are are the leadership team living them every day are you communicating them is when you're recognising somebody, do are you aligning that to your purpose and your mission and your values? Do people feel as if the, the the benefits they're receiving kind of really impacting them or are they kind of missing the mark? Do we kind of within the overall space in terms of be it measurement, be it communication, be it benefits, be it a kind of recognition, I don't believe that there's anything which is different from a small company to a kind of a, a, kind of a really large one in terms of are you doing the right things um are you being con- consistent in your messaging and are you kind of really kind of assessing and refining what you're doing to really kind of drive that kind of s- a success but how can you kind of recognize that so you're going to need kind of a recognition scheme which kind of ensures that the values are being driven by the managers and the employees who are able to say, do you know what, you did a great job there and kind of and doing that. So for, for t- trying to drive a recognition and a thank you culture, you need to be making sure that you can, re- can recognise the behaviours you want to do instantly and it, f- and it to be visible. So people, uh, people thrive on the fact that um, there is visibility of being recognised um, but also they thrive on the fact that they can, that the recognition is done at the moment where it's uh, it's seen. So you've got thank you awards where you might do an annual, he's been your best employee and a great new starter. And, and those have existed in every company kind of I've been in. And there's always been uh, kind of a great, um, there's been a great love of kind of recognition. But sometimes the administration of those processes makes it quite hard to kind of for everybody to see that 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 there's as much value in a scheme which kind of empowers the employees. So I'm a one hundred percent believer that peer-to-peer recognition um is a, an amazingly powerful tool which helps fuel and drive your business. Mm. But also managers being able to lead from the front and, and, and share share their moments of recognition within the team and also outside the team. If you're a manager and you see someone else within another department do a great job 100%, you should be empowered to deliver that recognition. Do you think that how we how we define
0: reward and recognition is evolving slightly? I, I think if you kind of look back to even 10 years ago or 12, 13 years ago when I started in a sales role, the idea of what reward and recognition was was quite traditional. It was kind of incentives and going away and having a nice time and drinking and, and promotion and monetary value stuff. And I kind of get a sense that. The world's not quite that binary in terms of how we how we want to be rewarded and and recognised and I guess you'd probably see that from your customers. Yeah, I
2: think that I think make a really good point. The traditional view of the re- reward component has been really driven by in essence the sales world where. Mm it would be your, you've got a commission-based role and you've got targets and you achieve them and then there are a president's club or there's kind of a, a you're a quarterly achiever and there are these elements and I think what people have realized now is that actually everybody within the business contributes to the success of the business and so how do you deliver recognition and there, and then following on from that reward which kind of recognizes the total sum of the contribution rather than just the basic sum uh, of kind of the output. Um, a salesperson can only be successful when they have a great product. A salesperson can only be successful when the rep has identified a great lead. The salesperson can only be successful when the technology platform kind of isn't amazing if they're working within a tech business. So you've got all of these elements which go together to make up a great uh, kind, of, kind of success level for a salesperson. But you also need to create the environment to if you want to have long term success, which enables everybody to be recognized for their contribution, albeit kind of at different stages of visibility to the outside world. Kind of someone, uh, which is our CFO, uh, kind of told a great analogy at our recent All Hands event, which is around business is a, is a little bit like a ship some people are, are focused on kind of make making the ship ship go forward and driving towards its end destination but there's a lot of people who are making sure that the engine's running that that it's well stocked and it, it's well run and all of the different parts of the boat are working but people generally only see the uh, the person who is driving the ship or and the people are kind of above deck rather than the people below and i think i think it's a really important message which is that you've got success which is often visible within certain kind of, uh, kind, of, um, kind of binary and linear components where there's a sales target and achievement or there is a customer retention, but there's lots of other people who help within those achievements. So how do you recognise the, the sum and, the, and all contributions rather than just kind of one or two?
0: One, one thing that might be quite tricky to, to, to answer, but at the beginning we were talking there about purpose. Why has purpose become so powerful? Why now? Why not five years ago? What's changed that makes purpose such a driving
2: factor in so many businesses? I, th- I think using the, one of everyone's favourite cliche terms, but the war for talent. Mm. I think when you look at the unemployment market, which I think is like between 4, four, four and 5% of people are kind of unemployed and looking for work. But the reality is that that 4 four, and 5% might not have the skills which you're looking for. And with kind of a kind of a, a rising levels of employment, you're now having to differentiate yourself as a business and say we're a great business. Um, here's how we pay, but also here's what it's like to, to work here. So your employee value proposition. Mm. Well, what is it like to work here? And for and in, and future employees are going. I'm oh, I'm going to look on Glassdoor and see what it's like to work there. What do the employees say? They're going to be asking their friends. Do do they know? anybody who works there. They're going to be kind of looking on Twitter and LinkedIn to see what customers are saying um, and 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 looking for, for feedback there. And I think what happens is that uh, firms who are kind of who are looking and who want to dif- differentiate themselves in the market space have realized that actually you can be a great firm and in terms of your product can be amazing or you can pr- provide br- brilliant services but you also actually need to be able to explain to your kind of employees from the most senior to, to the most junior and and the newest member why you should go and work there. Mm. What is it that they're going to get on top of a salary? Um, what what's the working environment? Is it um, uh, kind of is it flexible? Is it kind of very rigid in terms of time? What kind of autonomy and responsibility do you, do you get? What what what's the job design like? Do you get the uh, the authority to make your own decisions? And so all of these things come up together to, or to, to drive engagement. And kind of purpose, mission and values is a, kind of, is a key one and I think is a real, is, is a real starting point for your, your thought process as an employee where, when you're looking at what is it like to work there? What are they trying to achieve? What are their values? Do people live the values? When you go into a building, how are you greeted? How is the interview process? Mm. Does, does it match up? And then I think what what happens when you join somewhere, you look at all of those reasons and you're constantly assessing, is the business that says that we're super ethical and we want to do that? Is the way they onboard and off-board people the same? Is there the same level of love? Are, are, are people treated with respect? What's the leadership like? Are, are they giving really clear instructions on what the, they're trying to achieve? Is there a clarity of thought from the managers in terms of them being wholly aligned to what, what the leadership is like? Because that that purpose, mission and values, if a firm anchors around that, that gives them a different differentiator within the market space. but importantly they've then got to live the live up to that purpose to make sure that their employees understand and are delivering on that mission and when you're assessing the environment what are the values of the business and do those values stand up to hit the test of time last last question then um you, you talk about kind
0: of the fact that it's very important that the leadership team set the vision and values and you describe that ship and you kind of see those that small group on the, on the bridge. I would assume that they are the people that are driving the culture and are getting in touch with you as an organization and going, help us. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's HR. I just wondered, as a broad, as a broad kind of pattern, who are the who are the people in organisations that are really grasping this and trying to make a change to culture?
2: I think there's two. I think there's t- two areas. One of which is our customer is generally HR because right. they're the ones in charge of the the culture and the recognition schemes, and they're they're the ones who are buying the benefits and buying the HR tech, which is the space within which we uh, sit in. But also, I think there's. Uh, more of a push now from the c-suite to say engagement is a strategic and important element within our business and our and our, and our focus what can we do uh, kind of within that and then when you start to look at the world of employee engagement there's lots of different components to it but we're kind of a company which can help you kind of Kind of tackle a number of different ways. And is that
0: coming from the CEO or is it even the CFO who's looking at this kind of retention as a cost and we've got to improve
2: the culture? And- yeah, I th- I think it. I think the C suite is a broad uh, piece. It could be the COO who's looking at kind of operational efficiencies and and how can they can improve their customer. Uh, kind of uh, N- NPS rate by reducing down kind of churn within their employees. It could be looking at the CFO who has realized that there's a kind of, uh, there's a large spend on recruitment fees and and how can we kind of reduce down our kind of our cost of hire by actually reducing down kind of, kind of our turnover. It could be the CEO who really thinks that within the market space, the way in which they can have a differentiator is to be the best place to work within that field, which will then enable them to um, get some competitive advantages over their kind of, uh, uh, peers and competitors, because they're the place where everybody wants to, to go and work within the market space.
0: Look, thank you very much for your time. I think there's some really fascinating points in there and some insight for, for organisations listening. So I really do appreciate you spending a few minutes to chat to us and uh, good luck for the rest of the year ahead. Thank you. Dur- during robert's uh uh wonderful anecdote of a ship uh that mm. that really kind of resonated with me and i think it would probably resonate with you because as listeners may or may not be aware we've worked with each other for a long time but i would traditionally be seen as front office and you would traditionally have been seen as back office right definitely 100 um and i think that we do or at least We've been complacent of the fact that we, organizations often do rewards to people that are visible. And actually, there's a huge amount of people below the surface um, of, of, of a ship in the engine room that make yeah. it possible for someone to steer the ship in the first place
1: yeah i mean maybe maybe in the 90s and early 2000s uh, the salesman uh, the, the front office face was was always king and queen and and you know to a certain extent that that was fine back then you know they they're the ones that bring in the money and all the rest of it but we're in a we're in an environment now where we're all part of a cog in a larger machine we're all delivering we're all helping each other you know there has to be synergy between front and back office, I mean, we were talking before we came online, Dave, about how we hate those terms anyway, you know, mm. front and back office. It's It already sort of begins to connote a difference or a or, or disparity, um, which I don't think is right. Um, the salesperson can only be successful on the back of their product or their back office or their platforms, as Robert said. Um, and I think salespeople are more and more starting to see that. You know, They're understanding that, you know, they might be the duck, Graciously moving along the top of the lake, but everyone who's being their their little feet paddling paddling them along is also helping. Look, I'm nowhere near as good as analogies as Robert and Robert (laughs) Cfr. I
0: I love the idea of a of a salesperson being a graceful duck. I'm not sure that that would be maybe a horny mallard, but you know.
1: uh, Uh, Well, graceful duck could serve as a um, Cockney rhyming slang for something else.
0: Oh dear, right, but. Rec- recognition is key is another is another yes. point that ties into this right uh, there's always been a great love of recognition I think was something that, r- that Robert actually said but peer-to-peer empowers people and also managers should be empowered to recognize achievements across teams And I think it's really important that if you've got a senior person and maybe they're a senior person who's been in the sales part of a team that they are saying to people look those guys over there that you know you might not work with on a day-to-day basis they're really important to your job not you know they don't they should feel that they can go over to the person in an, in another team and go thank you, But I also think there's an element of they have a responsibility to people coming into the organization to knit it together
1: absolutely i mean it's it's crazy and and, and we see it less and less now where we are, but the, you know I joined I'm not afraid to say that there was that sort of big gap there, and it is about recognizing everybody everybody is on the same page and working towards the same common goal and you know, it's, a, it's about recognition no matter what, whether that's monetary or, you know, something nice like meal out or something like that. But it's also about um, leadership and leadership embodying that, that style, that approach. You know, if you've got one manager saying, look, compliance have been amazing. They've really helped us get this contract over the line. And they do that for another team, but that manager doesn't say anything, doesn't recognize it at all. Then it's, it's going to fall flat within that other manager's team and they're going to embody what their manager believes, and they're going to think, oh, well, compliance is just doing their job. Not, oh, they've really helped us here. This is massively part of the process thanks to them. Um, And I think it really does come from the top, and that that trickle-down model, if you will, because we do all embody – You know, we are all taking the best parts of our managers' characteristics, but we unconsciously take their worst things as well sometimes, you know. But if a manager slags off someone, that's gonna embed into their team's mind, sort of thing. So it it's really important for all leadership to to recognise and reward rather than just the nice managers or something, I guess.
0: I think there's another really important takeaway here for for possibly for larger businesses, but in particular you know, all industry. Maybe even ten years ago there was that notion that you had a permanent job, you were at a business for five, 10 years. It was only really in technology, the CIO or so on, that kind of would come into an organization and move on after two or three years. Now we're in this kind of tribal job market where someone joins an organization because they're bought into the mission and the purpose, but that can be a much shorter lifespan. And, you know, it's, it's now a career of roles rather than a job for life. And because of that, that transparency piece about not only how you onboard people and bring them into the organization, but also how someone, the experience that someone has when they in inevitably leave an organization is so important now because they go, there are so many more people going back out onto a job market with an experience of your organization and that builds the perception of your business. That help kind of reinforces whether or not you have been successful In actually living by your values
1: absolutely I mean it's all easy it's easy to get a newbie on board with your values and your mission because they're going to turn up well most of them turn up bright eyed ready to learn they're like a sponge with big cartoon eyes on their first day just ready and willing but if they leave six months to a year down the line and within by the end of that first month that had lost that then there's obviously something inherently wrong with the business and and you know I think you know things like Glassdoor and was always successful, was always a good tool and platform but since the gig economy really took over and you know we're always reviewing um, our Uber Eats, our Just Eat, our, um, any kind of experience we do. You know you can leave a Yelp review about your local garden centre if you feel compelled to do it. We're very much in a rater culture if you will and it's almost as if some businesses think well we're great at attracting people but who cares if they're going to leave us, they're not good enough or they're not really us. That's not the point. You need to, everyone needs to feel engaged and recognised, mm. I guess. And, uh, yeah, we're we're in a time now where if if you or I got a job offer from somewhere else, God, the likelihood of that happening is probably zero to none. But the first thing we <laughs> would do is look at the glass door on there and be like, oh, what was the last person said when they left? And that's just second nature to yeah. us now. And uh, yeah. businesses need to open their eyes to that, I
0: guess. Or LinkedIn, have a look at the voice that that yes. organization has, or Twitter, and, and, and you know, I, I judge what what's the what's the personality of that business? How how do they how do they come across as, yeah, as, social as a brand? As well. do, do I want to align myself to that message?
1: Yeah, I mean we we hear week in, week out the purpose is very, very important and we know that. But if you I think tone of voice is massive. If you go on to say you're applying for a really cool job at a not a startup, but someone that really understands tech and all the rest of it, but their Twitter account is just emotionless and robotic, then, you know, are you thinking that, okay, well maybe they're not actually portraying themselves how they are in the interview process uh, to the rest of the wider business environment. Then that would, that would flag for me, that would flag up issues like, you know, Twitter's really important to me. Why is that not being really important mm. to this call? Thank you, Cam.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I, Robert, thank you for coming on the show. I think there are some fascinating points in there, hopefully plenty for people to take away and take back to their own businesses. We'll take a short pause here. Uh, we will be back in a minute. Stay tuned. We are going to be talking about fake news, the government's report, and as I mentioned before, we're going to introduce some research from Dot Everyone. Farewell, but not goodbye. Do you know what that is? Bobby Robson's autobiography, all the better, read by Bobby Robson.
1: No way. Yeah. What a legend of the game he was.
0: Exactly. It's a great book to read, but listening to Bobby Robson, talking you through his life? That's special. Exactly.
1: My choice is uh, The Sisters Brothers, which is a film starring Jake Gyllenhaal and John C. Riley that has been released worldwide, apart from in the UK. So I'm going to listen to the
0: audiobook. If anyone's wondering why we've suddenly started talking about books, it's because if you head over to audible.co.uk forward slash tech talks, you can get a free month's trial there, courtesy of your favourite technology podcast. Get listening. Welcome back to Tech Talks. Uh, it is the time for the second half of the show. A uh, slight break from the format we've been building for 2019, Jack. We're, we're just tackling <laughs> one subject today.
1: Yeah, I know. And, and to be fair to you, Dave, what a subject to tackle
0: absolutely um look if anyone's not too familiar there was a there was a guardian article by david peg that i'd probably point you to i mean i'd always point you to the guardian over some publications but there we go uh Facebook deliberately broke privacy and competition law and should urgently be subject to statutory regulation according to a devastating parliamentary report uh, denouncing the company and its executives as digital gangsters. If anyone um, listening to the show is unaware, here in the UK the um, Digital Culture Media and Sports Select Committee have been conducting an 18-month investigation into disinformation and fake news and uh, they've come down very, very, very heavily on Facebook, which in itself is is not a surprise, right?
1: And and, and just as well, yeah, yeah, we're, we're not that, that, There's no argument that that's that's not a bad thing, like good.
0: No, yeah, and the report the report accuses Zuckerberg um, of of being in contempt uh, for Parliament in refusing three separate demands for him to give evidence. It warns the British electoral law. Sorry, it warns that British electoral law is unfit for purpose and vulnerable to interference from uh, foreign. Foreign actors, so agents. Hang on, are Russia? you telling me
1: that are you telling me that those of people running around like headless chickens with pieces of paper in their hands isn't the way to do an electoral role? You know, the that, that tragic sort of last half hour when there's election, there's just millions of sort of villagers running around with the voting slips. I always like that knocking
0: <laughs> on your door. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, and calls on the British government to establish an independent investigation into foreign influence disinformation funding, voter manipulation and sharing of data and they they cite the 2014 Scottish independence referendum, the 2016 EU referendum and the 2017 general election. Okay, so this is very UK focused in its uh, outlook, as you'd imagine it it coming from uh, the UK Parliament. But, you know, we're talking about trends here that we're seeing on a global stage. We only have to look at the US election, Trump. We can see what happened in Brazil at the last elections. We're obviously talking about uh, manipulation from from Russia and abroad. So, you know, we decided to talk about this because it does have a distinctly global um, slant to it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it it dot everyone's uh, proposal as well touches on a subject that is very close to our hearts as well, doesn't it, David?
0: Yes. So if anyone's not familiar, Dot Everyone, um, they were on the show just a few weeks ago. We had the CEO, Rachel Codicut, on the show. Uh, It's um, a policy body, basically, effectively, rather, set up by Martha Lane Fox. Um, And they recently, um, towards the back end of last year, that is, released a report uh, called Regulating for Responsible Technology. We're going to include that in our show notes, and it will also be in our weekly uh, mailers. So you can sign up for our weekly mailer and get a link to it there as well. Uh, but she's talked about the fact that, you know, the ability to connect everyone and everything comes with a great deal of responsibility. And the journey uh, from moving fast and breaking things to one of accountability is one that every young person knows well. Um, mm. So they, they've they got some very strong views here on what the government uh, and this select committee uh, have said. And what effectively Dot Everyone has said and why we wanted to talk about it was that whilst they, of course, welcome the report and are glad that it recommends an independent body, it doesn't go far enough in as much as it is only focusing on Facebook and social. And there is so much more, you know? Uh, we, we are absolutely aware of the fact that technology touches all facets of our society and not just social.
1: I mean, it's no one here is having a go at the report taking down Facebook or no. asking Facebook to a tone—that That is perfect. What not everyone have seen is, well, there's scope for something a lot larger here that we could incorporate to get towards somewhere whereby regulation isn't lagging behind tech, in which it very much so is at the moment. You know, we've seen recent le- uh, legislation come in and, to a certain degree, work immediately like GDPR and things like that. And years of planning went into GDPR. I don't think, this 35-page document actually Gives us everything we need to open uh, the Office of Responsible Technology, which I think we need now, or what well, we needed years ago. But this is, it's such good findings, uh, uh, laid out so, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but in a plain, simple, clear way that even I can understand it then.
0: Well, there you go. That, that's a huge way exactly. um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, think, I think the thing is, especially with the, with the select committee findings, right? We have to be. We have to be re- uh, real about the fact that it 's a parliamentary body uh, and it might be a bipartisan, but they are still members of the conservatives, the lay uh, and labor uh, government and opposition and so their party Dan? Yeah, the independent group no um, it, we, we have to be aware of the fact that they are going to talk about stuff that directly influences them, and probably to be perfectly fair plays out in the media so i think I think though that that's that's the point um it the report that dot everyone puts out says that we need to move away and they actually use this phrase from a whack-a-mole approach when it comes yeah, to tech yeah. and there's an element that was the select committee findings um are are really crucial they are also to an extent whack-a-mole because they're talking yep. about the independence referendum the brexit referendum and the general election so it is still being reactive. And the whole point about what dot Everyone is saying is we need to be forward thinking and not reactive.
1: Yeah, and you get big tech, tech, government, regular, regulatory bodies and experts. You get them all together and you, you grow that sort of um, massage train, if you will. I don't know if you've ever been part of the massage train, Dave, where you rub someone's shoulders and they rub your shoulders behind you. And there's always someone at the back who doesn't get their shoulders rubbed. What not everyone is saying here is that everyone rubs everyone's shoulders, everyone gets off on the right page, and we're all helping each other so that we can actually embody an uh, environment and a culture whereby we're not behind, we're not reactive anymore, we're proactively regulating, yeah. we're proactively making sure that, I don't know, Putin isn't spying on our electoral roll or, or you know, whatever. And it's all for the bargain price of just over £3 million a year, which would be heavily based off the back of subscription fees, tech paying into it, government paying into it. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. And look, uh, have, a, have a look at the report. It's 35 pages, but honestly, um, whilst whilst we would advocate reading it all, you can get a huge amount from the introduction and the executive summary. Their recommendations, uh, as Jack alluded to, uh, establish a new office for responsible technology that has three core functions, empowering regulators, informing the public and policymakers, which obviously education is so crucial, and supporting people yeah. to find redress. Okay, have a look through um, and, and and comment, you know, Get in touch with us and and let us know what you think about this. Well, first of all, with the select committee findings, but also what does everyone have to say uh, on this subject? Cool. Before we wrap up the show, um, just a quick thing. We do have our uh, technology personality of the year award running. We've had over 300 votes, which is very nice. This this is entirely organic and we haven't stuck any money behind it because we want it to be about the community.
1: Exactly, Um, exactly.
0: We will be releasing a bit more information on each of our shortlisted people very soon, but head on over to the website. There is now a tab that takes you directly to the to the voting landing page, and please, please, please take a few minutes to show your support for our six nominees. They are fantastic people with fantastic missions. Um, Robert will, will certainly kind of Uh, like that if he takes a look because they all have hugely (laughs) strong value propositions and missions and purposes Uh, but yeah, we'd love it if you could support these people.
1: Absolutely each and every one of them is doing something incredible, so yeah, get voting guys
0: and Jack I'll I'll see you next on Friday, a couple of days away, I mean how are we going to cope?
1: You won't see me on Friday Dave, I'm working at home then
0: uh, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow then I suppose
1: yeah I'll see you tomorrow I was going to say crazy. absence
0: makes the heart grow fonder or something but you know yeah no <laughs> uh,
1: well maybe yeah maybe but uh, I just, I, it's just it's, yeah, it's just bizarre isn't it I've got headphones in doing this today which I suppose when people are doing podcasts they probably do usually wear headphones don't they but this is well, a they're experience for me when we recording
0: there's, there's something very meta about today's show
1: <laughs> very very all uh. right.